Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Daily Bread. We had a bit of a choppy week this week, and we finally got the real pullback that we were kind of looking for. You know, we were on, we were on the edge, riding up high, up top for a while, and uh, I think we traded up there. It was 18 days. This was the 19th day. I'm recording this on uh, Thursday evening, so uh, I'll try to get this up tomorrow for Friday. Um, so just so you know where I'm at as I'm talking about prices and such. But um, yeah, so a bit of a choppy week last couple weeks. Last time I recorded, um, we were more in a breakout focused uh, trading style in terms of looking at different coins that were breaking out. And that continued for a couple days afterwards. And then pretty much since last weekend, uh, it switched over to much more range bound. A lot of the coins that were breaking out stopped breaking out, like the optimisms, the uh, DYDXs, injectives, all of those. Uh, a couple still did break, do breakouts. Uh, but for the most part, the buy high, sell higher kind of stopped being the correct strategy. And so that was one of the things I wanted to talk about today, which is constantly adapting your trading style and being able to quickly recognize uh, when the market shifts. And so I'm going to get into that a little bit and tell you a little how I'm changing my trading style. I'm still going to get back into the buy high, sell, buy, sell higher with the momentum on breakouts. It's just that we need to kind of go through a little bit first. You know, we've got, I'll get into, uh, you know, up the upcoming week and, and how I'm going to trade it. But, but we'll get back to that once we can clear through either we have a nice pullback or we can clear through the chop zone that we've been in, right? We kind of need to do one of those two things before we can get back into purely just riding momentum. Um, so that's what I want to talk about. And then on top of that, I just wanted to talk about some coins on my radar, some narrative shifts that I've been seeing going on, which ones are still hot, which ones are not, which ones I think will come back and are just on a cool down, etc. cetera, uh, and more. So I wanted to start off by talking a little bit about the macro overview, since that's kind of what is really clouding us right now a little bit and not letting us, uh, in terms of crypto, escape versus equities. Um, and it's and it's just that I think there's a combination of things here because the interesting thing is, right, so we had the FOMC meeting last week and that was all good and we obviously saw the, the market react very positively to that. And then this week on, it was Tuesday, uh, Powell had another, it wasn't like a meeting or anything, it was just an interview um, with a guy from Carlisle. Uh, I think he works for, is it Bloomberg or whoever? Anyways, uh, he does this interview series and he had Powell on. And it was mostly softball questions, nothing hard hitting. But Powell said some really bullish things. You know, he said two of the main things is he says, we expect, and I'm kind of paraphrasing here, I don't have the exact quotes, but he, he roughly said, we expect to see uh, disinflation for the rest of the year. In, 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 in terms saying, we think inflation has topped and we don't think we will see an increase in inflation for the rest of the year, which is obviously incredibly bullish because the biggest thing holding back uh, you know, markets has been that the looming potential inflation re-increasing and then Fed having to adjust their stance again. Um, so he said that. And then on top of that, one thing he said that was very interesting is he said he uh, the, the interviewer asked him essentially a question about what he thought about how the markets reacted to the FOMC meeting. And he said, I thought the markets acted appropriately, which is very very clear that he's saying, yeah, markets went up when I said 
that we're probably going to start reducing rates by the end of this year or early next year and that we don't think inflation is going to come back. And he said, that's good, you know, because we know that Powell has no fear of shutting down markets. We saw him do this multiple times last year where he came out and basically said, without directly saying it, he says, you guys should be selling. He says, we are going to push this market down, whether you like it or not. We're going to pull the liquidity. We're going to basically kind of force us into a mini recession in order to get inflation down. I mean, he said that last year, and obviously the markets reacted very negatively to that, and he, he did it on purpose. Right. So we know that he's not afraid to essentially tell the markets, hey, you're not doing what I want you to do. So for him to come out now and say the opposite, which is, yeah, they reacted appropriately. Obviously, he's not going to say you guys should be buying. Right. But that's about as close as you're going to get. So that's that was the really interesting thing. Um, but despite that, we saw this rally on Tuesday. And then that was it. It, it, it basically we, we we failed the the breakout not even just on crypto right bitcoin got up eth got up they were both looking like they were going to break out and they rejected but also uh in in equities you know nasdaq and s&p put in local tops at least for now and the last couple of days have been uh have been downwards so um you know it's interesting to me because I, I'll, I'll be frank. I thought after that happened, I thought, oh, okay, we're, we're, this is the time to break out. Like I really did. Um, and we didn't, which is unfortunate. So I had to, had to cut a bunch of positions because uh, we had just a bunch of failed breakouts and that sucks. So the buy high, sell higher didn't work this week, unfortunately. Um, and that's, and that's part of risk management too. Like obviously, you know, I can't hold your hand and walk you through your trades and your day to day. I just try to give like a general framework for how to think about markets. And just honestly, this is kind of like my own uh, verbal diary and thinking through of, of, of my own process with markets. And so it was clear to me after those breakouts failed that we turned into a ranging market. And so now I've been trading more just ranges and being more disciplined with profit taking and not so much going after the breakout plays. I'll still try them, but I'm like very, I'm very tight with them, right? The second the breakout's turning around, it's like, okay, this doesn't look like it's going to happen. I'm out. You know, I'm not going to ride that thing back down. Uh, and so that happened. I mean, th that happened to me, I think, on Frax. That happened to me on... Uh, Lido that happened to me on Matic, like a bunch of different coins this week. Just they 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 were so close, but they didn't they didn't make it. And so it's like, listen, I'm not gonna ride these things back down because they when they whipsaw, I mean they they are whipsawing hard right now. Um, so people are very skittish is is kind of the point. And I think there's like two main reasons for this. I think number one is we do have the next CPI print next Tuesday coming out. So obviously a lot of people are anticipating uh, or, or at least trying not to go super risk on going into that in case we do get a hot inflation number unexpectedly that could really hurt the markets. But then on top of that, I think a lot of people just have kind of bear market PTSD right now. And a lot of people are not willing to really put risk on fully, especially when we have big moves, right? People are willing to put more risk on towards the bottom because it's like, well, we're down a lot. I'm going to go for it. But now, and, and, and through the trends, and through the trending market, I should say as well. But now that we get to the this range bound that we've been in for the last couple of weeks, people are definitely not looking to put risk on. And, and that's fair. That's fair. Um, but I think at some point that will shift. And I think 
probably with CPI, if we get a good number, if it does come in low, uh, at least as expected or lower, lower would be really good. Um, I think that would in combination with the Powell remarks we've gotten over the last two weeks, be the ignition that can send us higher. Um, but it's yet to be seen. And obviously, we had a big pullback uh, today. And I'll get into kind of where my pullback targets are in a moment. But that that's kind of where I think we're at right now. People are just very on edge in and out. And, and, and it's reflected like, like in the charts. And, and in if you're if you're trading day to day, like like myself, it's it's tough right now, you know, you can't, you can't get those quick uh, winners, right? There's not too many runners, like you can hit some of them here and there. Uh, if you hit their rotations, right? But for the most part, most coins aren't running super hard. They're just getting chopped up. And, and uh, as soon as you think there's some momentum behind them, you know, they just get, they hit their head on the ceiling a little bit. So as far as this pullback itself goes, um, I have a couple different targets. The first target is pretty much where we got to where we're at around the 21, six to eight range. I think that's a target a lot of people had, and it's just simply retesting the top of the, the previous range that Bitcoin was in. Uh, that's probably a reasonable target to start adding slightly to some longs, but I'm not super ready to jump in just yet. And, and, and a thing I would say too, is I'm recording this on Thursday, we just had the pullback. So by the time you guys listen to this, it'll be a little more time. But um, one lesson that I've learned the hard way in crypto that I think a lot of you um, probably need to learn too, because I see it a lot is like the second you have a big pull down, people are like, what are we buying? What are we bidding? And typically, especially when you've been ranging a lot like this, and then you pull down hard, you don't always see that immediate reaction back up. Like obviously you'll see like on the lower time frames, like some type of bounce. And if you're looking for a quick scalp, that's fine. But if you're looking for like the higher time frame, bigger reaction moves, typically most of the time it does not happen like the same day that the big move down does right it's pretty rare that you get a big move down and then a huge move back up right it does happen occasionally but it's it's pretty rare and most of the time if you're trying to kind of catch that knife saying oh we just went down a lot i'm gonna be the hero and long it here you're gonna lose money um, and, and I've been there so many times, but today I didn't really bid anything. I sold some stuff right as it was clear. Like, uh, essentially this morning, um, we were at the bottom of the range. And so I was just punting some small longs on some alts here and there with tight stops and, uh, it didn't work. And so it was clear to me, okay, we're not really bouncing off the bottom of this range. We're probably going to lose this here. So I took a bunch of risk off the table and sold a bunch of stuff. Um, and then we did dump. And so I bought back some of my spot positions. Like I did sell my roll bit temporarily. I sold my Canto temporarily. Uh, those were the two bigger positions that I sold. And then I closed all of my, you know, I didn't have any DYDX, Optimism, Injective, any of the tokens I've been talking about. I had to get out of all of them because uh, it was clear that they were going to pull back. Matic as well. Uh, so I did buy back my spot positions in Rollbit in Canto. Um, Canto had a pretty big pullback, so that was that was good. But Rollbit honestly didn't. Uh, and I'll get into coins specifically with levels that I'm looking at and ones that I I liked through this move uh, in a moment. But back to where I think the pullback target is. So the first one is here, roughly around. 21.6. I think it's reasonable to add to some spot bags here if you're looking to get into some of the some of the coins you like. But realistically, um, we have to wait to see what happens over the next few days. We very much could just chop 
until Tuesday uh, on CME as far as Bitcoin and ETH go. Um, the other alternative, and this is the one that you need to be prepared for because alt will definitely get nuked hard if this happens, is if we fill the CME gap that exists between about 20,000 and 20,600 on Bitcoin. And uh, if you're watching the video, I'll put a chart up so you can see what I'm talking about. Um, and if you're listening, you know, just kind of keep in mind 20,000 to 20,600. Uh, essentially, what happened is this was a few weeks ago, there was a Friday uh, after close and Saturday where we really ripped during closed hours on the CME. For those of you who don't follow Bitcoin CME, that is the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. That's essentially the the TradFi version of Bitcoin. If you want it on TradingView, I think it's um, BTC1, I think. BTC1, exclamation mark, I forget. Um, yeah, I think that's what it is. And essentially, that's TradFi trading Bitcoin, which only operates during US market hours. So they do actually close. Um, and that has a ton of volume that goes through it, okay? And so you really should pay attention to that if you don't already, if you don't know about that as far as... Um, uh, watching charts go. I actually watch that chart just as much as I watch the regular Bitcoin chart. Um, and so the thing is that there's a big gap, okay? It gapped open because over the weekend, we, that a few weeks ago, we essentially went from like 19 to like 21K. And there there's a big gap there. And typically these gaps get filled. Um, if you look historically, you look at where all these gaps are on the history of the CME Bitcoin chart. It's very rare that we don't go back and fill gaps, both on the long and short side. And so in this case, uh, you know, we had a gap to the upside and we never really went back there, you know, and then we started chopping at the top and now we're getting back closer to it. And I think you just have to be, I'm not saying we're 100% going to go there because we don't 100% of the time fill these gaps, but it more than often happens that we do. And so I just think you have to be prepared for that to happen. Um, and so the way I'm kind of looking at this pullback right now is one of two things. We either reclaim the range clearly. We essentially have to reclaim like 22,600 on, on BTC roughly, or we go back down into uh, that, that like low 20 range. Those are the only two places that I'm really looking to bid right now heavily. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll add small spot bags and maybe do some small swing trades here and there. But that's the only spot where I'm really looking to like put size in. We either have to reclaim above or pull back below. I don't want to be bidding heavy in this kind of no man's land that we're at right here. To me, the risk reward just isn't there. Now, that doesn't mean that you won't have specific alts that might have their own separate play. Uh, but as far as like anything that doesn't have a very specific catalyst or a very specific reason to move, I wouldn't go heavy in it until we get to those areas, one of those two areas on Bitcoin. So that's that's kind of how I'm looking at it right now. And so the important thing is if you are going to continue trading over the next uh, few days going into CPI and potentially afterwards, I, mean, I don't know. I think we could see a shift if CPI does come in low. I think we'll probably see some type of like bullish move upwards, obviously. I, I, I would highly doubt that doesn't happen. Um, but you know, it's going to be probably pretty choppy until then. And so the, the the recommendation is just be very disciplined with your trades. You know, one thing that I've been doing that has had more success instead of just playing the breakouts for the last few days is just, you know, a lot of these coins have very clearly defined ranges right now that they've been trading in. So just trade the ranges 
and be disciplined about taking your profits when you get to your target on the range, right? So if you're buying the range low and it gets to a range high, just be disciplined. You know, you might think, oh, it's going to break out, it's ripping, but you know, you probably should be at least taking half of your position off at that range high. And, that, and that's kind of the strategy I've been doing is if I don't think it's going to break out, then I'll just take the whole thing at the top of the range. If I do think it has a chance to break out, like I did this with um, um, Matic and Dusk actually both this week where I bought the bottom of the ranges, they went to the top, and then I thought they were going to break out. I thought they had a pretty good chance because they looked very strong, but I was disciplined and I took half of my position off at the range high. And then once the breakout fails and then it comes back down into the range, don't try to be the hero and see if it keeps going or add back in or any crap like that. Just take your money and get out because you can always get back in. Like that's a thing that, that it, it sounds so dumb and so simple, but just remember like, when you're getting out of coins to protect your downside, especially when you're locking in profits, because man, it sucks to round trip. You know, I've round tripped a lot of trades this last week. Um, and I am like, I need to reduce that. And so that's why I started doing this instead. You can always just get back in. You know, you don't have to like feel bad about like, oh, I, if I cut this here, then what if it turns around on me? It's like, it's okay. You can always get back in. And there's always another trade to be had. I mean, coins are moving all over the place right now. So if you miss one, who cares? You know, there'll be another one. Okay. Just lock in your profits. You know, that's like the most important thing. Just lock in your profits when you're in a range choppy environment, because it's just, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna be wrong more than you're right in terms of anticipating which coins are going to break out in this type of environment. And so it's better to just be disciplined and take at least some of the money off the table when you hit certain targets rather than trying to just play the hero of like, oh, I got this sick entry. It's going to it's going to blast off, man, because, yeah, it's cool. It feels really good when that happens. But in all reality, that doesn't happen that often. And you know what happens much more often? The ability to take profit on very clean range trades. OK, and that's that's like how you can make consistent profits all the time. You don't always have to be the hero. There are times to be the hero. There are times to like ride the momentum. And we had that for the first few weeks of the year, but we're not in that right now. Um, and I think until we can get past CPI on Tuesday and see what the reaction is after that, we're not going to be in this pure momentum driven environment again, uh, at least for the next few days. So those are my trading thoughts for the current moment. Um, Let's talk about the regulation uh, FUD or whatever you want to call it that came out today and or the last few days. Uh, you had multiple things. You had Kraken uh, getting pursued by the SEC and essentially agreeing to shut down all of their staking products and the SEC threatening Coinbase with similar action. One thing that's interesting about this, at first it came out that they're looking to ban staking in the U.S., for U.S. customers, that does not appear to be the case. Uh, if you if you read what it actually what the reports actually said, is they essentially want companies who offer custodial staking, right, like a Coinbase or a Kraken or any type of exchange, uh, to meet certain requirements and essentially be licensed operators in the United States. It's no different than kind of how a bank, if they want to accept deposits from customers, they need a banking license, right? Well, they want these centralized exchanges and whoever, if they want to have custody of people's funds, they want them to essentially have a, a staking license, so to call it. So staking is not banned in the US. They're just adding extra regulations. Now, the other thing that 
you have to realize if you kind of dig into what they were saying a little bit, it actually looks more like they're trying to crack down on the essentially fake staking. Because um, obviously, okay, so staking, <laughs> st man, staking has been totally co-opted in, in, as this term and, and completely misused, right? Staking originally comes from proof of stake, which was an alternative uh, security framework for securing a blockchain to proof of work, right? It's a different consensus mechanism, right? Um, and that's what staking comes from. Well, obviously, in the last couple of years, we've had people use the word staking when it wasn't really staking in terms of like staking with a validator and validating transactions. It was staking of like locking your tokens for some type of yield. That's what staking really became. It just became this type of uh, way to put your tokens in a mechanism that gives you yield back. Uh, and they are trying to crack down on this because we've had frankly, a lot of blowups in the last year from people who said, use the term staking that wasn't really staking. The biggest example is obviously Anchor uh, with, you know, Terra, Luna and all that crap, where they were offering 20% yields that were completely unsustainable and it collapsed. And then you have all these Celsius and all these other, you know, I don't need to give you all the examples, you get my point, right? And so the Kraken situation is interesting because Kraken was kind of offering both staking yields and this other type of yield that I'm talking about, right? The staking of like you stake your ETH with a validator or some type of liquid staking derivative, right? And you get a certain yield return paid back from the network, okay? Not from like random money somewhere, right? It's, it's the network is paying you. Uh, this is kind of the distinction that has been lost completely in the last you know, year or two. And so really, it seems like regulators are much more focused on cracking down on unsustainable yields rather than, especially if it's offered by some type of central entity, rather than like actual network staking like in Ethereum or any of these other networks that, uh, you know, offer staking for security and, and consensus purposes. And so that's like the main thing they're focused on. So is that that big of a deal? Uh, to me, not really. I mean, frankly, that was kind of expected that it was going to happen after the uh, Terra Luna, you know, collapse. And especially, I, I've talked about this before on the podcast, you know, I think anybody that is a centralized entity that's custodying assets, I think that they should have to operate under, you know, normal financial standards, just like any bank or financial institution would. Right, because ultimately, if you're a decentralized protocol and you're operating in, a, in in that way, it's different. But if you're a centralized exchange and you're taking custody, it's like, yeah, I mean, you're just basically a crypto bank. I mean, ultimately, that's pretty much what you are, right? And so you should have to meet these standards, or else you can get an FTX type situation, you know. And one of the only things that frankly, saved FTX US, at least temporarily. I know it kind of got messy afterwards, but it went, when did FTX US withdrawal stop? I think it was like, what, two weeks after FTX.com or at least you had a decent amount of time to get your money out of FTX US but, uh, after FTX.com had already been insolvent. And that was really only because FTX US had to meet these standards that FTX.com did not, right? So that that's really what they're cracking down on. And I got to say this, as much as the FUD gets scary in the moment, 
in the whatever five years of crypto that I've been in now, uh, off and on, I've seen a ton of regulatory FUD. Nothing really ever happened. I mean, I can't really name you any huge changes that have happened. Um, there's things that we still can't do that sock like, you know, certain types of derivatives trading and stuff in the United States. And there's certain limitations. But as far as like major, major, major changes that have happened, not not much. Some things here and there. But, you know, regulatory FUD always is like very scary in the moment. And then no one cares like a week later. That's kind of my experience. I expect this to be pretty similar, quite frankly. So I'm not super worried about the current regulatory FUD. I've seen too much of it at some point, prove me wrong at some point, right? M make some major thing. Well, don't make, I don't, don't make some major, I don't want anything to happen, but you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? It's just like, ah, I don't really get scared with regulatory fraud anymore. You know, two years ago. Yeah. Now, eh, mm, eh. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'll eat my words, but I don't know. It's like, I've just, we've been through so much regulatory fraud, and it's like, yeah, we're still trading. We still got coins. We still got plays to make. So whatever. Um, okay, let's get into the week going forward, kind of the trading plan. I already mentioned the CPI stuff that's on the macro side, but let's go crypto specific. And then I just want to give list out the coins, look at entries, look at prices that I like, um, etc. So uh, on top of CPI on Tuesday, we've got two other things going on on Tuesday, we've got a lot happening on Tuesday, February 14th, Valentine's Day, you know, the day of love, listen, to all my homies with girlfriends and wives, you got to tell them we ain't celebrating or just maybe do it like maybe do it this weekend. You know, maybe try to front run the Valentine's Day. It's like, babe, I love you. Let's do it. Let's just instead of one. This is I got you. I got you. This is what you got to do. This is this is the plan, boys. This is what you tell your girl. OK, you say, babe, babe, listen to me. Instead of, you know, it's a Tuesday, it's a work day, you know, your girl's probably working, whatever. You're going to be all tired when you get home. How about this? How about this? Let's have a Valentine's weekend. Instead of a day, you get Saturday and Sunday. We have a good time. You know, we're chilling. We got all Saturday night to hang out. There's no work, no nothing. And then on Tuesday, you know, we don't do it. Because, folks, we got CPI on Tuesday. We've got the blur airdrop on Tuesday, supposedly. And then the big, huge rumor, which I don't know if it's going to happen or not, but the huge rumor is an Arbitrum token announcement on Tuesday. All of these things happening on Tuesday. So you're not really going to be able to uh, get away from your desk on Tuesday, unfortunately, I think. So you got to convince your girl to just I think the weekend I think that's a good strategy I don't know I don't know personally I think that's a good strategy you should try it out if it doesn't work you know I figure something out because you can't leave your desk on Tuesday boys and uh you know for the rest of you that are you know single it doesn't matter but anyways Tuesday uh so we have CPI we have the blur airdrop this has been pushed back a couple times it's supposedly happening Tuesday Hopefully they don't push it back again. I don't know. Uh, the rumor on the street is that they have prearranged that it is going to be listed on exchanges from like day one. So we'll see if that's true. And that was why they delayed it initially because they wanted to be listed on exchanges. Um, and then we have the potential Arbitrum token announcement on Tuesday as well, which is very interesting. Um, one thing that's 
very funny is, uh, or, or a little hint is why this might be true, is if you know on Twitter, you see the orange and blue hearts that people have in their names, uh, in their usernames, that's, you know, Arbitrum. And uh, what if Arbitrum picked Valentine's Day as a little, as a little, as a little uh, hint to all the people with hearts in their name as to when the air RB token is finally coming out? I don't know. But then again, we've had rumors of the Arbitrum token forever. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, you know, bet the house on that. But I will say this, I would have some type of Arbitrum token exposure uh, going into it. And I would be very ready to press the sell button on Tuesday if it doesn't happen. Um, because I think they may dump and then we might get some good entries in Arbitrum tokens, which I don't have a problem with. But uh, yeah, Tuesday's gonna be busy. So the plan for me um, what I'm thinking is obviously the CPI is the biggest one because if CPI comes in bad, you know, it's going to tank everything else, frankly. Um, but let's assume we get the, we meet expectations on CPI and kind of remove that from the equation. Okay. Um, on terms of the blur and Arbitrum airdrop, obviously for Arbitrum, I would just get exposure to some type of Arbitrum tokens. Uh, I'll get into the one that I like the most right now. Um, which is the newly created PSI token from uh, the Trident game. I'm sure a lot of you have seen that on Twitter, but if you haven't, I'll get into it. Um, but the blur airdrop's interesting. I think we've already seen, you know, looks and DYD, or not DYDX, uh, X2Y2 uh, moving this week based on the blur airdrop move. I think the ape chart looks pretty good. I was in an ape long uh, up until a day or two, yeah, yesterday, but then obviously when the market started going against me, I had to get out of that. Um, but I still think ape is a def decent play for this. I would get some type of NFT token exposure. So you can choose which one you like, looks, X2, 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 Y2, I, I always get that one wrong. X2, Y2 or Ape. Uh, I would try to get some type of exposure to those because I think they will move up going into the blur airdrop. Um, and then, yeah, I, we'll see how NFT tokens and metaverse related tokens do after that. Uh, Sand had their announcement with the Saudis out of nowhere. It was, it was like 50 million that uh, some Saudi group is investing into, uh, into Sand, which is okay. So a lot of weird stuff happening in like the NFT metaverse, but I, I would just be paying very close attention. If you see any of those tokens moving, those are like the momentum buy high, sell higher plays. Those things rip when they move. So I would pay very close attention to those for the next few days going into Tuesday. All right, let's move on to other coins. So today, one of the things I always do, and I, I tweeted this out, whenever we have big pullbacks and I recommend you make this like a habit because it's it's really really good for informing you on which tokens have a lot of strength and have bidders behind them whenever you have a big pullback always go see what is either up on the day if you occasionally get something that's up on the day like we saw Lida was up while everything was down or things that are not down that much. So say alts across the board are down like 10 to 15% like we saw today in many cases. And then you have one that's only down like one or 2%. Uh, that was like a Matic and a Frax. Um, and so always look at what these coins, what coins are strong and what coins are weak uh, in times like this, because it can give you indications of what you might want to short if we keep going down or what you might want to long if we go for bounce. So anyways, Frax, Lido, 
and Matic were the strongest of the day. Lido was the strongest by far. Uh, Frax was second, and then Matic. Matic was remaining strong and then kind of fell off a little at the end, uh, but it's still holding up pretty well uh, relative to the rest of the market. And so obviously Frax and Lido have something in common in that they are liquid staking derivative. Well, Frax is many things, but one of the things they're offering is liquid staking derivatives. And uh, Lido is obviously all liquid staking derivatives. These had a nice rally uh, because of the Kraken and Coinbase news. Obviously, Coinbase is potentially one of the biggest players or was anticipated to potentially be one of the biggest players in the liquid staking game. And now they may be out of it depending on how things settle with the SEC and Kraken is out of it. And so a lot of that market share is anticipated to probably move over to Lido or maybe FXS, Frax, I should say. Uh, so that's very interesting to me. I think that uh, all of the liquid staking derivatives are going to continue to pump into Shanghai uh, as we get closer. The only thing I'll say, though, is a lot of these are very hard to trade. And I'm saying this as someone who has been trading them. Lido, I had a lot of success on the run up, but it's been super choppy. I mean, look at that Lido chart. Anybody, if you've tried trading Lido, you know what I'm talking about. This thing has been brutal. So I think I'm done trying to trade Lido. I am just going to buy spot bags at any type of decent level that we get on pullbacks and just hold it because I think this thing is going to keep running. Uh, probably same goes for Frax. Frax? has been trading a little cleaner. I may still try to trade Frax a little bit, but with very low leverage and maybe just trade spot even. I don't know. We'll have to see how it goes. Um, but with those, I would recommend just buying and holding for the next few weeks to a month, seeing how they go um, if you're looking to get exposure to that narrative. Okay, so let's get into coins and I'm just going to give you levels and I'll probably put charts on the screen if you're watching, if you're listening, you know, maybe come back to this part, just, you know, write down or go to the YouTube video. But anyways, these are, I'm going to go coin by coin, all the coins I'm watching and that I like still and the levels on them. So first, DYDX, I talked a lot about DYDX in the last couple of weeks. I still really like DYDX. I think around 250 is a great spot to start adding in to a DYDX long here. Uh, we had a huge move up and then a nice move back down to the top of the previous breakout range. That's a very common trend that you're gonna see with a lot of these coins. They had huge breakouts and they never really came back and retested the breakout. And now it looks like they are. And so I think Longing the retest is going to be a successful trade over the next week or so. So DYDX around 250-ish, I think, is a reasonable entry to start adding. If it goes a little lower, I would add lower. Um, invalidation probably around 230-ish. If we lose that, maybe stay away for a little bit. But I think we'll, we'll remain strong. Uh, but the 240-250 range is a good spot to add into. Uh, injective, I think anywhere from like 320 to 290, similar to DYDX, we're retesting. I think that's a good area to put some bids in. I would probably go spot on, on injective because uh, it has been whipsawing a lot and you don't want to get caught out uh, on this one if, if it does decide to make a big move lower, especially like I said, you know, you still have to keep in mind the CME gap that, like I said earlier about Bitcoin. So with all of these, I wouldn't just shove all in. I'm just talking about levels where I think starting to add is reasonable and seeing if they bounce. If they don't get a good reaction uh, before CPI or after CPI probably in the next week, maybe you should reduce size on them is kind of the, the concept here. 
Canto, I think anywhere in the 45 to like 60 cent range, I know that's kind of a big range, but I think sub 60 cent and especially sub 50 cent is a great entry. I think Canto is still going to keep rocking and rolling on its way to a dollar and maybe higher. So we'll take these opportunities to add on dips. Uh, Rollbit, Rollbit was incredibly strong today. I uh, barely moved. It was actually about to break out to new highs yesterday. And then, of course, it got smashed back down, unfortunately, because of Bitcoin. But it didn't really get pushed down too hard, especially considered that it's kind of like an illiquid, uh, you know, smaller coin. So anything like sub 35 cents, especially sub 30, or I'm sorry, not 30, uh, sub three cents. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, sub three cents is really, really good on Rollbit if we get it. Uh, but I liked how, I mean, it, it really showed me that people are diamond handing Rollbit and the people who own it do not want to sell it. So that tells me that I should definitely not sell either. Um, Hook is another one that I talked about. Hook, we got the run that I wanted to. We got to $4. I did take um, a significant amount of profit at $4 because I thought we would figure we would probably reject there and we did. Um, but now we're back at like 280 or so at the time I record this. I think the 260 to $3 range is a good spot on Hook to start adding back in. I may probably add back in what I sold here. Um, I'm still holding a bag from like, 210 or so, uh, but I'll probably add back in at these levels. Um, gonna, gonna Again, probably wait a day or so. I'm not going to rush in to buy the bottom, but Hook is another one that I still like to, to make a move towards five, six plus dollars. Uh, Dusk is another one. This one fits the ZK narrative a little bit that a lot of people have been kind of interested in. Um, I think the 14 to 15 cent range on Dusk is very good. Uh, again, with this one, it kind of whipsaws quite a bit. So probably don't go max leverage on, on Dusk. Leave yourself room to add more lower if you need to. But I like the 14 to 15 cent range. And then Matic. I think anything under like 125 is probably a decent uh, spot. The one like 18 to 25 range is, is pretty good on Matic. It also fits with the ZK narrative. And it's just had a lot of strength. People are bidding this thing. They're not letting it go down. It's got a lot of narratives behind it. I like Matic. I think as soon as conditions clear up, we are going to make that march towards $2 on Matic. So those are all the ones that I'm either playing or looking to potentially play that I like. And those are kind of the levels I'm looking at. And then some flyers. Um, I've got A-Star, A-S-T-R. This is one of the, this is a Polkadot chain. Um, before you kind of turn off, it's one of the biggest chains in Japan, or it is the biggest chain in Japan in terms of usage. Um, and the chart just looks really good, and it hasn't really run that hard. So I actually had a small bag of it, and then I sold, and it ripped the next day, which killed me. But now, because of Bitcoin, it's pulled back nicely. So I'm probably going to re-enter this here soon uh, for a higher time frame play. Uh, and then we've got PSI, which is the new Trident game that launched an Arbitrum. A lot of the people who were in the magic run on Arbitrum, which basically like 10x in the last like two months, uh, are now rotating funds over to PSI. This thing was a monster. It launched at $1.43 and went to like eight bucks within the first couple of days. It's had a nice pullback now, though. It's still very small. It's like it peaked out at like 15 mil market cap, I think. And now it's only at like a... Uh, 10, 8-ish, I forget exactly at the moment I'm recording, but um, I've been in that since like 
250 or something. Uh, and I added a little bit higher in the threes. I'll probably continue to add to that. They also have NFTs. Uh, there's only 3000 supply. I picked up a little bit of that too, just as extra exposure. Um, I like the limited supply. It gives me very uh, DeFi Kingdoms vibes, like early Jewel vibes. That was one of my best plays in the 2021 bull market. Got in Jewel at like two bucks on its run to like 20. This is giving me similar vibes. My biggest mistake with Jewel was not buying any of the heroes or any of that stuff and just playing the coin. So that's why I wanted some of the NFT exposure here too. Um, so keep an eye on that. And then... Um, just some of the AI coins. I think the AI stuff is not done. It just had a crazy run and cooled off. But this is going to be like the year of AI, in my opinion. And so I think if you can get some solid entries, again, look for the retest. And I'll put like an example of render on the screen here. Render uh, is kind of a little AI adjacent, but I really like render because, you know, they do the, uh, the they essentially let you, uh, it's a decentralized graphics card rental network essentially you can use gpu uh you, you you can rent out gpu usage and for those who don't know all basically machine learning models use gpus they don't use cpus and so all of these ai companies use tons of gpu stuff uh gpu stuff very technical but you get my point um so I like render for that play uh, as a narrative and it has like decent fundamentals, but the other ones too, I like FET as well. I think FET is a decent play. Uh, Ocean, any of these really that are clear runners and just had a huge move and are going to come back. I think they will have another run, but you probably going to be able to get some pretty decent entries on these. Uh, so like render around like $1.20 is kind of the area I'm looking at on it. You know, seeing where it broke out, it never retested, have it come back retest get that entry load up let's 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 run it again oh hold on don't i didn't make that arm gesture forget that just happened don't clip that okay okay that was an accident uh <laughs> that was an accident <laughs> okay moving on moving on the audio listeners have no idea what i'm talking about anyways uh finally i wanted to quickly mention uh, Bitcoin ordinals, because that was the other thing that happened this week. Listen, I, I tried my best with these things. I set up a Bitcoin Sparrow wallet. I uh, was in all these Discord servers trying to negotiate OTC deals. For those of you, let me step back for one second. If you don't know what ordinals are, they're essentially Bitcoin NFTs. Um, and they're going nuts in terms of pricing. I mean, there was a sale today for like 10 Bitcoin on a Bitcoin pump or ordinal punk, whatever it's called. Uh, you know, that's $200,000. Uh, so these things are going nuts and there's so few of them right now. And it's a little unique in that there's essentially inscriptions. It's, it's, it's a little complicated, uh, but basically how it works is you inscribe data into each Satoshi. A Satoshi is a denomination of Bitcoin. It's one, oh shoot, don't quote me on this. Is it one 100 millionth? one billionth or some some small minuscule fraction of a bitcoin is one satoshi okay don't quote me on that i don't know i forget but essentially each satoshi each sat uh you can inscribe data on it and people are in, are essentially putting nfts as data on these uh sats and they're called ordinals and the reason they're called ordinals is because they're all in order uh, in terms of when they were, uh, you know, confirmed on the blockchain, essentially. And so 
uh, they all have a number to them. And so the first 10,000 ordinals are kind of like the first 10,000 NFTs on Bitcoin. And these are the ones that people are putting a lot of value in and bidding the hell out of the first 10,000 ordinals. We're up to like 30,000, I think, at the time I'm recording. Uh, and that's just going to keep going up over time. And so people are paying a lot of money to get these like original top 10,000 NFTs uh, minting on Bitcoin. I mean, think about it with ETH. Like, we don't have that with ETH because they work differently, but there's probably easily a few million NFTs at this point. And imagine if you had like one of the first 10,000. Like, we have 10,000 piece collections on it in ETH. This is like 10,000 of all the NFTs, right? Uh, so anyways, I, I tried, I, I've been trying to get some, I was in one, I, I had multiple OTC deals fall through because people keep bidding and changing their prices. Like I had one guy, I, I said, Hey, I'll give you two ETH for, I won't say which one it was, but for one of them, uh, and that's the other fun thing that people are doing OTC deals in ETH, which is hilarious. But anyways, I offered this guy two ETH for one and he was going to take the deal. And then literally someone else on the server sells one for four ETH and he goes, Oh, Oh, never mind he goes the new price is five eth and i was like bro are you serious i'm like what, what do you mean we had a deal he's like no never mind so it's like i can't even get any of these things and i'm not like trying to just throw ridiculous money at like random nfts that i have no idea if anyone's going to care about in a week there's no marketplace there's no like infrastructure there's no nothing um if you don't run a full bitcoin node you can't even send them you can only receive the ordinals so we're extremely this is like day not even day one day zero of bitcoin nfts but i would pay attention because this could be a thing um Bitcoiners have mixed reactions to it. Some love it. Some absolutely hate it. Uh, but anyways, pay attention to it. It's a pain in the ass. I'm going to be honest. I kind of gave up. I spent like a day trying to get this ha to happen. And I'm not going to spend five ETH on some NFT that like I have no idea if anybody's going to care about. Right. So it's just like, I don't know. I was like trying to get something for like two or three ETH was like my my budget. I was like, I'll get any of these NFTs I can get for like two or three ETH. And I just couldn't. I, it's like the prices just kept going up. And anytime I had three different people all basically be like, oh, yeah, I'll do it for like two E, two and a half E, three ETH, whatever. And all of them reneged. So I was like, OK, what am I going to do here? So anyways, I, I might try again. I'm hoping if we get a nuke in the market, maybe these these people will uh, get scared and want to dump their ordinals. So that's my plan with that. But yeah. I don't know, kind of a pain in the ass. But when the marketplace is launched and it gets a lot easier to use, this will definitely be at least some type of uh, market. I don't know how huge it will be. It could be very big. I don't know. But uh, it's so hard to use right now. I mean, it's like it's like everybody, if you've tried it, you know what I'm talking about. It's just such a pain. So anyways, that's what I have on Bitcoin ordinals. But anyways, that's it for today, guys. Thanks so much for listening as always be sure to subscribe follow me on twitter leave me a rate there's ratings on spotify now by the way someone told me this i didn't even know so if you listen on spotify rate me on spotify come on show me some love um anyways like the video subscribe share it with one person if you enjoy these podcasts and you get some value share it with one person or tweet it or something share it in some way because that you know we got we got to get some organic growth going here you know i i want i want to grow the channel uh, i want to do more videos it's, guys it's really hard to do more videos i really try but it's because the market changes so much and it's hard to get these videos out timely uh, maybe i'll see much streaming um what do you guys think about streaming i never do live streams i could do live streams 
Um, let me know what you guys think. I'd be down, honestly. But the only thing with live streams is people have to be there at a certain time, obviously with the videos. Because normally I see the I see the viewership and the audio listens and normally it trickles in over like two to three days. So obviously if I do it live, it has to be all at the same time. But I could just go live, you know, two or three times a week and just give my thoughts on the market at a given point. So let me know in the comments or whatever if you want me to live stream. So anyways, thanks for watching, guys. I will see you next time.